0: Hello, Auburn family, and welcome back to another episode of Page 8, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsmen. I'm your host, Kristen Carr, and man, we have so much to get to today. It's been a rough week for Auburn fans. Auburn football suffered a devastating loss and blew a 25-point lead against Mississippi State, allowing them to score 40 unanswered points and ultimately falling 34-43. to Bo Nix is also expected to be out for the rest of the season after he sustained an ankle injury in the third quarter and had surgery this past Monday. Anders Carlson is also out with an ACL injury. He will be having surgery later this week. It's just been a rough week um, for Auburn fans. So we will get to women's basketball, men's basketball, all the things later today. But first, I want to introduce our guest. First guest, um, Auburn Plansman reporter Henry Zimmer is back with us. Howdy. All right. Um, Where do you even start with this? So there's just so much that went down this weekend. But the biggest news by far, I think, was um, Bo Nix getting injured and out for the season. And I want to talk about the Mississippi State game a little bit. But um, first, I want to talk about this because it really does affect the rest of the season and specifically the Iron Bowl. I think, you know, fans are disappointed about that um t- talk about that. <laughs>
1: yeah, so <clears throat> about an hour ago, Brian Harson spoke with the media. Obviously, T.J. Finley will be the starting quarterback going forward. He's kind of been the guy Auburn fans have clamored to play more. And, you know, it's a sad circumstance that now he's kind of getting thrust into it. But here he is for you. And you wanted him. Now you got him. Uh, he will start going forward. Uh, Grant Loy, the Bowling Green transfer quarterback from, I believe, a year or two ago, he will be the backup followed by Trey Lindsey, and then the people's favorite, D. Davis, will probably serve as the fourth string. He's been a guy he's kind of now taken on the T.J. Finley role of, hey, let's put this kid in and see what he can do, but uh, he did not receive basically any votes of confidence from Brian Harson today, so that leads us to believe that he is nowhere near the ready we think he could be or should be maybe if you're a fan. Uh, so D. Davis will probably not see the field this year unless in some really extraneous circumstance. You will be seeing TJ Finley. Uh, Brian Harson said the game plan doesn't change moving forward now that TJ's in. Obviously, Bo gives you that running ability and TJ historically is more of a drop back pass- passer, but mm-hmm. he did say that they have his running packages available and that he said TJ has, quote, wheels. So we'll see if they can utilize those wheels moving forward. Uh, he does not inherit a great uh, circumstance for sure. He's got a night game in Columbia this weekend. That's tough. He's got the Iron Bowl the weekend after. That's tough. And then a bowl game against probably a decent opponent and maybe even a ranked opponent. That's also tough. So, you know, this is what T.J. Finley came to Auburn to do. He's the guy moving forward. Bo Nix only has a broken ankle. So he's probably only looking at two months, maybe recovery, maybe a little more with rehab and whatnot. Right. His injury is not as horrible as, you know, you look at Anders Carlson's ACL. Yeah. Generally, those are, you know, like a uh, 12-month whole deal to rehab a leg, especially if a kicker. I mean, your leg's your your job. So that in the long term is a bigger issue. He will be replaced by somebody. They're going to have to have a kicker. We believe it'll be Ben Patton, number 96, if you're looking for him on the roster, because I had to look that one up. (laughs) And uh, Harson didn't name anybody as the kicker, but we think it'll be Ben Patton. He has a made extra point this year, and uh, that's more than anybody else could say, really. Right. Yeah, I mean, Harson does not have an enviable job right now. The team is in a rough spot. Uh, They have to win this weekend against South Carolina to kind of salvage something out of the tail end of the season.
0: Yeah, I agree Um, with that.
1: And, you know, they're just going to have to keep chugging. I mean, injuries happen. That's what Brian Hartson said. Guys get injured. It sucks that your two most prolific players got hurt, but next man up. This is what you come to play college football for, and you know now's your opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I want to um, read a quote that um, Finley said after the win over Georgia State um, earlier in the season, and he said, um, "I calm him down sometimes. He's talking about Bo Nicks. um this and vice versa." When I came off the sidelines, Nick's calmed me down. We both give each other positive feedback and even negative feedback because if a person is always giving you positive feedback, they're not really keeping it real with you. I keep it real with him in the first half. He keeps it real with me in the second half. That's just the level of relationship that we have with each other to be able to do that. He trusts my word and I trust his. And I just think um, that's a really nice way to summarize their relationship and um, just... I think that, you know, Bo will still be able to be an impact from the bench and for them to have a relationship like that where they trust each other and support each other is really cool. And um, it just kind of shows good sportsmanship within the program. And, I mean, obviously it's competitive, right? I mean, TJ wants to start just as much as anybody else. Um Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's an unfortunate circumstance for him to have to start, you know, here.
1: <laughs> yeah, with Bo being um, for sure.
0: Yeah, but I think – You know, I think that Bo has just handled all of it so well, and you see everybody with the support from social media, and and everybody is just um, wishing him all the best, and and we do as well. And, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate, but I think TJ has an opportunity here to, you know, to prove himself and and do what he can, because it is a team sport. Absolutely. And something that Harson talked about earlier um, in the press conference was that a lot of really who's going to have to step up now is not even TJ as much so as it is the guys who've already been playing. And, you know, he mentioned Nick Broms, he mentioned Tank Bigsby and a few others. And I think that is really telling about, you know, when you have a leader who's down, who who steps up, who leads, who can, you know, say I've been on the field, I've had this experience now, let's go and let's, For you know, sure. let's make something still happen um, you know, what do you think that Bo's impact will be from, from the bench?
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> obviously he had surgery this morning, Monday morning. Uh Brian Harson said that <laughs> Bo's a human and they're gonna <laughs> let him, you know, rehab as humans would. Uh so we're unsure kind of if he'll be at practice, you know, this week or if he'll travel with the team to uh, South Carolina.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't it imagine is, maybe this week, I would assume,
1: but. yeah, I would assume that he's not on the sideline or, or at least in some capacity with the team this week. Uh, you know, the kid broke his ankle. You know, <laughs> let, let him have a broken ankle and let him, you know, be a, a student at Auburn for a little bit. I would assume he'll probably make a practice return before the Iron Bowl, maybe be on the sidelines for the Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, Bo and TJ have a really good relationship and they build off of one another. And I think that helps Bo be a competitor as a starter. Because he knows that there's a guy who is a SEC caliber starting quarterback behind him, and that helps both of them play. Uh, you know, TJ is now the guy. The O line is banged up, uh, like you mentioned. Nick Brahms is going to have to really anchor that O line because Austin Troxel his knee gave out again. There's been some shakeup on the guard positions mm-hmm. uh, with some injuries. Um, you know, the O lines definitely need him to step up. The run game has not been great since Ole Miss. Uh, that's just kind of is what it is. That is on the quarterback. That's on the O-line. That's on the receivers. That's on everybody. Uh, so that definitely needs to be a bigger part of Auburn's game moving forward. When you have a guy like Tank Bigsby, hey, Tank, hey, Jarquez Hunter, we need you guys now more than ever. Now that we're not sure where our kicking field goal distance is. So we need you guys to get in the end zone instead of, you know, oh, we got to the 40. Okay. We'll leave it to Anders. No, that's over now. You know, you guys need to score. And obviously scoring was the big story against Mississippi State. They went up 28 to three. Okay. We scored enough points. Let's just lay back and play catch for the rest of the game. That's not going to work. As you can see, Auburn was 65 and 0 when scoring 20 or when having a 25 point lead. Now they're 65 and one. Uh, Mm. that, that game just, it was kind of a, the epitome of how Auburn's kind of played as of late where they score a bunch in the first half and then just kind of let the game come to them in the second half. It worked against Ole Miss. It's not gonna continue to work, especially against a team like Alabama. And you you hate to look past an opponent like South Carolina, but you know when the Iron Bowl is like the big thing of the year, especially when you know you're a ranked Auburn team and Alabama's fate kind of rests in your hands. Right. It's hard not to look at that game. But uh, yeah, Auburn's got some challenges all over the field. Harson didn't give an update on the status of the offensive line with Troxel being hurt and a couple other guys being banged up. We haven't heard about Kobe Hudson, who left the game with a head injury against Mississippi State. He's Auburn's best receiver, uh, so having him will be extremely valuable if if he's available, and if not, again next man up. Somebody's going to have to take that role. Uh, John Samuel Shanker is probably going to be a big recipient of some receptions moving forward, and uh, yeah, Auburn's Auburn's got some challenges for sure all over the place, and uh, you know this will be a big test for Harson and company. You know, seeing what happens and. Maybe Bo on the sidelines will help bring some continuity. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Right now he's got a broken ankle, so he's he's probably still a little loopy this morning. So (laughs) leave him be for now.
0: Yeah, and I want to go back to Kobe Hudson. And um, I think a lot of fans were really upset that that wasn't, um, you know, upheld that targeting call. And uh, I hope, you know, it's a good sign that they didn't mention anything um, entry-wise for him today. I think that's a good sign. So he's um, hopefully okay. But um, they, they really do need him out there. I, I he, he played so well um, up until that moment, obviously. And I think I do want to talk about the penalties in the Mississippi State game. And um, as I look at this, there's just... There was an excessive amount um, of one-sided calls on this game. And I think it played a big role in the momentum shifts um, and maybe even the outcome of the game. And I think... You know, it's it's always hard when you bring up the refs because you know you can't blame everything on them. You don't want um, to yeah they make they make mistakes just like everybody else, and and there's going to be bad calls here here and there. But I don't think I don't think we can ignore the pass interference calls and the targeting. I just it's it's hard to ignore, and you know again you can't blame necessarily the loss on it. And and there's only so much you can control, but to me, I I was really disappointed in um, the officiating crew, and and I know that I'm not alone no, <laughs> on sure. that. Um, but I mean, I look at I look at those targeting calls, and it just doesn't make any sense. And I wonder, you know, what your take on that was, and also, do you think that there should be, you know, some sort of amendment and and maybe clarification? on what a targeting should actually be.
1: So during the game, there were three targeting penalties called, two of which, or one of which stood, two of which, or no, there was only two targetings called. One probably should have been called, but wasn't. Uh, The first targeting was on Smoke Monday. The ref from the backside of the play in the end zone threw that penalty. He saw a big hit, thought his head might have come across the guy. They convened, talked about it, called that penalty back. That play was awesome, for the referees and it gave us in the booth, all the guys that are up there, the journalists and whatnot, we were all like very happy to see that. It was like, that was right. a great change of pace. They threw the penalty, which is fine. Call it if you want to, that there's no, you can pick it up. So that if you think that penalty might've even closely been targeting, throw the penalty, that's fine. They wrapped it up, said it wasn't targeting. Let's continue playing football.
0: Yeah.
1: When you look at the TD Moultrie play, <clears throat> his head for a split second based on the way their bodies aligned, did come across the face of Will Rogers. Was it intentional? No. Was it spiteful? No. Was he trying to hurt Will Rogers? No. Is T.D. Moultrie bigger than Will Rogers? Yes. Were the way Will Rogers was leaning back and the way T.D. Moultrie was coming forward, is were their heads bound to hit? Yes. Was it targeting? What Brian Harson says is on that call, he spoke to the refs. The refs on the field called it just to be sure like they had done mm-hmm. with the Smoke Monday call. Which Brian Harson said he was fine with, and which everybody I sure. think is fine with.
0: I, yeah, call I agree with that. If you think
1: there's any sort of gray area. Brian Harson said post game that all the targeting calls that were made were reviewed by the booth refs and the booth refs ended up having the final say on the targeting calls. So the field refs didn't end up really making the decision, it was the booth refs. And then that leads you to believe, well, who has the ultimate power there? You know, who right. why do we have the field refs if the booth refs are gonna make the call or, or vice versa. And then Brian Harson did also say, well, if a guy coming across Kobe Hudson's face with the crown of his helmet isn't targeting, but TD Moultrie hitting a guy on just a regular tackle with his face mask. Yeah. And, a targeting. To, and to
0: me, that was a clean sack. I don't think, you know, I think if you called that a targeting penalty... We have to go to flag football. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just no— How else are you supposed
1: to hit a quarterback? Yeah,
0: I mean, I feel bad for everybody who's on defense right now because there is no way to play good defense if that's a targeting call from here on out. Especially if you can't
1: hit a guy low. You know, you don't want a low hit on the quarterback. Right. You can't get a roughing the passer if you pile drive him with your shoulder. Right. So then you can't go for his legs, can't go for his chest, and obviously you can't hit him up high. You and know, it also doesn't account for
0: part? how he's moving, right? How right. Will Rogers was moving. You, you know, there's only so much you can control as a, as uh, a guy on the defense. Exactly. And You're, you're moving. He's moving. You don't know where his head is going to be. And so, I hope. I really do hope that this causes some discussion, some productive discussion on on this rule. And it's unfortunate because to me, I, you know, I, I've never really liked it. Not liked the rule because. I think to eject someone um, for something that was
2: accidental, not, accidental, in not intentional
0: in most cases. Um, usually, you know, not even resulting in an injury. A lot of times, it's just you know an accident. It just it's a collision it's It happens. The
1: nature of the game.
0: And then to you know, they they miss an entire game. And and yep. you know we've already I feel like you know we've missed so much because of COVID. These guys only get so many games they're only in college for so long. And I just hate to see people missing out on a, on a game day when they didn't necessarily do anything that was, you know, wrong. And, and I understand, you know, you try to prevent injuries, you try to, you know, keep people from getting those head injuries. And that's a good thing, but there's There's gotta be a better way. There's
1: no intent with that Moultrie hit. And Harson talked about it today in his press conference. And he was like, We have been hurt by officiating. Mm -hmm. Some of it's deserved, a lot of it's not. Uh, You know, you look at a couple other penalties Auburn incurred throughout the game. Will Rogers in the second half only had two incompletions, both of which were DPI, defensive pass interference, uh, on Auburn. So that's interesting. It was like his only two incompletions were called on Auburn guys making penalties. And then... I
0: remember distinctly one of those penalties uh, that was a call to pass interference. I... I don't believe that the DB even made contact with the Mississippi State player. Like, I think he yeah. barely tapped him on the back or something, and then they called that, you know, pass interference. Yeah. And those are the kind of calls where I, you know, I was in the student section, and so everybody was so upset about those. And, you know, there are some times where you you boo, you, you know, fans if you're looking at move. it as a fan, right, you, you you're upset. But then if you take an objective look at it, I think objectively speaking, some of those things were questionable. So hopefully uh, that won't be the case in the, you know, going forward, but um, definitely, definitely hurts. But um, well, Henry, thank you so much for coming on. Always appreciate your insight, your perspective. Um, We will see you next time.
1: See you guys. Thank you. Hey, this is Collins Keith, podcast writer for the Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support the organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplansman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here at Auburn. Thank you so much in advance, and now
2: back to the show.
0: All right, guys, um, we are back with our Writer of the Week, Jacob Waters. How are you?
2: i good. How about you?
0: I'm well. Um, so this is your first time on the podcast, mm-hmm. so excited to have you. And um, Jacob is a sophomore. He's from Leeds, Alabama, and... This is his first year with the Auburn Plainsman, and you are you're a journalism major, correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, and you wrote an article this week about the women's basketball team, and I just want to get your take on that game and uh, against Old Dominion, they uh, lost fifty-seven to forty-four, um, but you know Old Dominion has had winning seasons the past few years, and so it's not like they're a bad team. Mm. Um, do you find it encouraging that Auburn kept it so close?
2: Um. I think it's more encouraging that, you know, they could not they didn't they could not have played much worse. They shot like 25% from the field, only made one 3 as a team. So I think it's more encouraging that it can only really go up from there cuz they could have easily won that game. They just need to put it together a little more.
0: Yeah, and in your article, you know, you talked about how they started well mm-hmm. um and then kind of dropped off. What do you what do you think attributed to that?
2: Yeah, and um, a lot of the players got into foul trouble. They, uh, I said four players ended with four fouls, and um, that and just, like I said, the shooting really dropped off after after the first quarter. I uh, only shot 13 for 19 from the free throw line as well, so just kind of leaving points on the board definitely didn't help.
0: Yeah, and do you think, um, you know, maybe stamina was an issue? Like, if they're, you know, more tired, maybe they get a little bit sloppy, and that's why some of those fouls were coming?
2: Yeah, maybe, and then also with the foul trouble, maybe playing players more than, like, they're used to playing, so uh, just giving extended minutes to some of the players that weren't accustomed to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, this season is is going to be a tough one, I think, mm-hmm. for this team, but um, I think personally that Johnny Harris can really turn this program around, um, you know, coming from where she comes from, as we've talked about before on this podcast, but you know, it's going to take some time. What do you think um, are some main areas that you would improve if you were her?
2: Um, well, kind of like you were saying, it's, it's going to take some patience. So keeping that in mind and um just trying to find some players that are committed to turning around the program because there's, no other way around it. They've, they've lost a lot of games recently in the last couple of seasons. So it's a, it's not just going to be about talent. It's also going to be about commitment. And, you know, you're not going to see results right away, most likely. So finding that uh integrity and commitment to the program.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, we're going to end on a high note here um, and talk about men's basketball a little bit. And they played ULN this past weekend. And Bruce was just saying that it was a very competitive game. Mm -hmm. Um, They kind of got outplayed in the first half. And he said that um, some of it was psychological. Some of it was just, you know, not executing. And um, he talked specifically about KD and how he said he it's unbelievable to have that kind of firepower off the bench. Mm -hmm. Um, He said it picks us up. He's talented. He's unselfish. He's not afraid of the moment. I think that's a really great compliment coming from uh from your head coach to KD. what did you see in that game?
2: Yeah, I saw a lot of fire. Um, you know, like you're saying about what Bruce was saying, or Coach Pearl, um, a lot of times early in the season because I remember like in twenty uh twenty twenty when um or maybe it was nineteen, but with Samir Downey Nakoro, like they were fifteen and zero at one point. It's like this is not a great team. So to see him so early in the season talk about how impressed he is so far. I think that says a lot about where that team can go, but it's specifically in the game, uh, seeing Jabari Smith start to take over. Yeah, you know everybody knows how talented he is. So um, seeing that is definitely a bright spot and something that it will be. I think it'll be a common trend throughout the season, relying on him for offense, defense, really just everywhere on the floor.
0: Yeah, and um, I know that t- Coach Pearl has talked about how some of those starting guys, you know, they're so talented mm-hmm. individually. Um, but they've had a hard time meshing as a group. And mm-hmm. I I remember him saying that I think it was about a week, week or two ago that he said that in his press conference. And as I was watching this game, um, I, I saw what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting because in, I would say, in the first half of the game, there was, uh, I mean, there were points where they were behind. Mm. It was not a blowout. Um, they were they were not in control of the game until, I would say, uh, you know, the last quarter-ish of the game. Mm. Um, and, you know, what I saw, which was so interesting, is that first half, you know, they were struggling a little bit and they weren't communicating. They mm. weren't talking. They weren't um, really tuned in together. Mm. And then you see that, Throughout the game, they just got a little bit better and a little bit mm-hmm. better. And then by the end, you know, I heard some talking. I heard some communication. And everybody was on the same page. And so I think it's coming along. Um, but I wanted to get your take on that as well.
2: Yeah. Um, like you were saying, the first half, um, there's a lot of, like, foul trouble. You know, maybe that could have come from lack of communication on defense. Guys trying to scramble, trying to make a play, end up fouling. A lot of turnovers, too. And that's obviously... Due to like lack of communication, but uh, as saying, in the second half they ended up like covering the spread, one by twenty eight, I believe. Um, just putting those together and just trying to find consistency in that, trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Like in the SEC, uh, once when it really every game is super important, trying to make sure we communicate as like in the play from the players' perspective, saying we need to communicate all the time. We can't drop off at all because. Against, like, Kentucky, Tennessee, or Alabama, if you play like that in the first half, you're going to go down 15 at, at the break instead of just two, like, against you all.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they are going to be heading down to Florida to USF um, this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. how those things transition into an away game and, you know, what can they bring to the table there. And um, do you have a prediction for that game, or um, is it too early to say?
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know about a score prediction, but I do think I do think Auburn will win. I don't think South Florida's been to the uh, NCAA tournament quite some time. Um, it will be interesting playing on the road. How many students show up to that game? Because I remember last year when Auburn played at UCF, played awful, lost the game. It's kind of a similar situation. So, but I, I do think Auburn will win this time because I think this team is much more talented than last year's.
0: All right, that is going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we appreciate your support so much. And we will not have an episode coming out next week. It'll be Thanksgiving, but be watching out for it the week after. We will see you guys next time.